Welcome to Service Headline News. I'm your host, Marty Smith, and today's episode is a compilation of some of the funnier stories that we've had over the last several months of doing the show. So sit back and enjoy Service Headline News. All right, here's the, here's the headline. Air Force scientist got his, quote, really hot prostitute, a contractor job, <laughs> court docs say. All right. But it isn't. It, now, I guess this happened in 2019. So uh, the scientist worked at the Air Force Research Lab at Wright Pat. So, Air Oh, he was a, a senior researcher of advanced propulsion technologies at Wright Pat Air Force Base in Ohio. So no slouch. No, he was a smart dude. Smart right? fella. Smart dude. Um, <laughs> anyway, I guess he... 30 years married, uh, had met a prostitute, and it sounds like investigations of a laptop had a history of meeting prostitutes. Wow. Um, Busy man. <laughs> well, you got <laughs> to unwind, man. That's a propulsion lab. No, no joke. That's Busy a man. lot of stress. Embracing the suck. He was embracing <laughs> her suck. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, I guess on several occasions he paid... This prostitute, four hundred bucks an hour for various wait, 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 wait. sexual. Back acts. up and tell me the price again. Four hundred bucks an hour, which seems like a bargain nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I am amazed. Inflation must be catching him off as well. I, even in twenty nineteen. I don't know. I th- I mean, if you go to Vegas, I don't think you're going to get one for four hundred bucks. All right, an hour. so you're talking high end. Uh, but he wasn't right, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> it is Ohio, <laughs> so. Anyway, 400 bucks an hour. Uh, let's see. Uh, the scheme came to light in 2019 when Spectral Energy's owner, that was the lab that he worked at, told military investigators that the scientist who managed the funding for his company's Air Force contract was engaging in unethical government contract <laughs> negotiations and communicated threats of violence and was regularly soliciting prostitution while on the installation and while traveling on official U.S. Air Force business. Wow. So this was in 2019. Um, so I wonder if the company had a security officer that said, hmm, this guy's an interesting fellow. <laughs> yeah, right. I wonder how he how he got a clearance is beyond me. Well, but if you don't report it. You don't know it. You don't know well, it, That's right? a good point. All right. So the scientist um, said here, or they the claims that he'd met on a flight to Washington and had become something of a mentor <laughs> to after several personal and professional meetings. The company had contracted with AFRL for nearly 20 years and provided in-depth imagery of engines. Wow. Yeah, not a smart, I mean, not really not a real smart, smart guy. Right? So yeah, I believe I would call this another a perfect example of how a man can think with other parts <laughs> of his anatomy. Yeah, but not, not simultaneously. I, one has to shut down for I, I the other guess. one to engage, right? The, the common sense thing sort of went out the window, I think. I don't know. <laughs> so, in addition to him uh, stooping her for <laughs> I don't know how many times, but he encouraged uh, somebody at the company to hire her for her technical expertise. Which was none. Which was none, which was completely made up. Well, unless, but if he said technical expertise, not sure what he was talking about. If nobody asked, it's like, yeah, she's she's technical. got technical expertise. She's, she knows hmm. what she's doing. Hmm. Um, 
So she started work as administrative technician at Spectral Energies. Unbelievable. But, but, quote, did not fully understand how to use basic word processing and document creation software and struggled to formulate coherent inner office emails. (laughs) (laughs) So that's another way of telling you that she's dumb as a rock. I can't turn my computer on. I I don't, I'm not sure what she got paid for being there. Um, How does your HR... And your IT people. That guy was swinging a lot of influence, right? And oh, by the way, what did your resume say when you were hired? Did your resume say I I got moonlighted? That's in here. It's all falsified, right? Okay. So they did give her a falsified resume. There was another scientist who came out and pointed that out. And then this main scientist threatened him. Wow. And said, because he was of Indian descent, said he would deport him if he let this out. Okay, so he threatened violence. Right. Wow. So, uh, this scientist was married for 30 years. They met in Cincinnati. He charged the woman's $400 per hour rate for sex to his government credit card. (laughs) (laughs) Just when you can, you know, create an engine... Put people on the moon, fly satellites. We're going to give a prostitute hey, whatever she wants with the government grant. Hey, well done, buddy, on solving that uh, unknown electrical problem in that engine. Hey, can I talk about your GTC charges real quick? <laughs> your government credit card is coming back a little a little high. I don't understand why. I don't know. Maybe if he paid it off, they would have never seen it. You know, you know from that's... a personal thought process on this thing, it sounds like he just didn't get out of Ohio enough. <laughs> why? There must be a lot of inbreeding you or got something. Your, you got, got your girl working right there with you. <laughs> I just don't know how he the doesn't company even have to lie to his wife. slides that by. <laughs> Unbelievable. Golly. Was there an interview process with any other people? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Doesn't sound like it. If there was, they didn't mention it. So they took our scientists and said, we love you. We'll take whatever you can throw at us. <laughs> Your prostitute as well. Oh, my God. This is awesome. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, it's awesome, but it's not awesome because the scientists died. Our subject scientist, the one who was purchasing our. Yes. Oh, wow. He passed away. Um, and the article says. Let's see. Yeah. I wonder if that was from a lot of, um, which is odd because this whole article has late one, work hours. Well, it has <laughs> one line, and it's right like towards the beginning. It doesn't. It's really oddly placed, but it says online obituary shows the scientist died of an unnamed cause last year, so 2021. Hmm. That's all they mentioned. That's interesting. Yes, it is. Was was our prostitute? charged or convicted or with anything other than probably just released fired from the company no 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 comment there no nothing so Uh, she walks away with all kinds of money little experience from working in the tech world maybe (laughs) goes out and tries to find another job with a contractor (laughs) uh when agents with with the air force osi searched the scientist's office at wright pat in 2019 they found Condoms, female underwear, and empty <laughs> bottles of generic Viagra. They also uncovered emails discussing the need to come up with a strong cover story in case they were questioned further. Wow. An, expel, an Excel spreadsheet entitled, 
quote-unquote burner log <laughs> contained more than three years' worth of the scientist's text messages with nearly 30 prostitutes across the United States. Many of the 27 women listed on the Excel document, scientists can't yeah, get away from it. Knows how to play in Not a little black book. I got to put it in Excel. <laughs> Probably had formulas and everything in there. 27 of the women listed on the Excel document were foreign nationals from countries considered U.S. national security concerns. Wow. A clearance. Oh my God. High-speed contractor, and he's dealing with our adversaries. Unbelievable. <laughs> and you know what? It sounds like he gains more experience from every time he has an encounter with one of these women. Maybe he's double-agenting. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what killed him. I have one more comment on this. This establishes the lane of traffic when in our worlds we are trained on the fact when they show you a pretty picture of a woman yeah. and she says she likes you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she don't like you just because the way you look. That's true. Absolutely. She likes you for all kinds of other things. Rock me, rock me, rock, rock steady. Rock me, rock me, rock, me rock steady. Roll me, roll me, roll. This is a story by Sarah Sigard from the Military Times. The Army is working on a tactical bra. <laughs> okay. I like it so far. There we go. That was the one hole in our capability. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> you may have to cut that piece out. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Army Tactical Brazier is a product undergoing testing at the Army's Combat Capabilities Development Combat Soldier Center. In the fall, the Soldier Center's design pattern prototype team is expected to present an initial evaluation to the Army Uniform Board, which would establish the Army Tactical Brazier as an official program of record. Okay. Stop right there. <laughs> I have a question. Program of record. I got it. Okay. Is the brassiere a form of body armor or is it just tactical as in it's camouflage? It has been labeled. This is from the article. It has been labeled as a, quote, tactical rather than sportswear item. End quote. So... I am absolutely dying to know how it's tactical. Uh, this began with a <laughs> survey given to female soldiers on what type of functionality and preferences should be considered during initial design. Uh, it's meant to integrate into existing body armor and uh -huh. give an added level of protection to female soldiers. All right. Now we're talking. Yeah. Had, it's got a purpose. It's not just a camouflage Does, bra. Do black vests, body armor? No. Are they female, male, or are they unisex? They were unisex. I At know least they the ones, were. The ones you and I were. But we've been out for a while. Well, and now I think it's not a flag vest anymore. It's full-on body armor. Yeah. It will it will function as a flag vest to, you know, to take out a little bit so of there shrapnel. Cutouts, or are there bulge-outs? I am not going <laughs> to go down that road. I don't know. But I will tell you. As women play a much more prevalent role in combat operations. Amen. Right. I think whoever came up with this is at least thinking. I think it's a great idea. Uh, the overall goal is to produce garments that not only protect the user, but reduce the, co 
Okay, this is a little this is a little um, award <laughs> bullet writing. Okay. Right? So listen to this statement. But reduce the cognitive burden on the female soldier caused by discomfort and ill fit. Cognitive, cognitive burden. burden. You ever have under- underwear that rid up on you? <laughs> sure. Did that cause you a cognitive burden? <laughs> no. And I would venture to say if you ask most females, they would tell you it's not a cognitive uh, but burden. But that sounds that sounds like an award right. You know, in a later show, we're going to have to de- define cognitive oh, burden. Oh, we got to fo- we got well, to follow up on this story. I think we're going to track this all year. Cognitive burden. Uh, achieving this will improve the soldiers' overall readiness and performance levels, allowing them to focus on their mission. Okay, this is the best part. The effort is part of an ongoing campaign to tailor military uniform options to diverse body type body types. And there are currently four prototype models. Concepts A and B are pullover sports bras with padding and structured seams and a shelf style. Shelf style. Shelf style. I doesn't say it just says shelf style. Obviously, you and I are not women and have no freaking idea you would be worrying about True. a shelf in your bra. <laughs> I don't know. Concept C is a compression bra with cross back straps. And concept D has a zippered front closure with contoured seams and adjustable cross back straps. Do you see my mouth? My mouth. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a loss for words. <laughs> Eric, I need you to tell me what kind of jockstrap you need to give you the best cognitive ability so you could focus on your mission. All right. G-string, old football jockstrap, <laughs> well, coming up both sides, full cup. This this design <laughs> will encompass... Um, Elephant snout. <laughs> <laughs> it's a furry. It's a furry. That's all I can say. I don't know, man. Okay, are you ready for this day in military history? I have been on pins and needles all day. September 23rd, 1976. Does that date sound familiar? Say the date again. September 23rd, 1976. That sounds like Beirut. It should sound familiar because this was the day that the TV show Black Sheep Squadron debuted on NBC. <laughs> okay. So How can you forget that? I, I, I'm i a failure. <laughs> it, it started out as Baba Black Sheep, but then it, the second season, it was only up for two seasons. It, they changed it to Black Sheep Squadron. It aired on NBC from September 23rd, 76 until April 6th, 78. Its original premise was based on the experiences of United States Marine Corps aviator Greg Boyington and his World War II, quote, Black Sheep Squadron, end quote. The (laughs) The series was created and produced by Stephen Cannell. The opening credits read in World War II. Let me do it in the voiceover voice. In World War II, Marine Corps Major Greg Pappy Boyington commanded a squadron of fighter pilots. They are a collection of misfits and screwballs who became the terrors of the South Pacific. They were known as the Black Sheep. (laughs) 
was awesome. It had the best beginning, right? Yo, man, that's awesome. Uh, notable actors included Robert Conrad, who played Pappy Boyington, and John Larroquette, who played Second Lieutenant Bob Anderson. Yeah, he was the second in command, right? Uh, no, I think it was that heavier guy. I don't know. I, I I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Okay. Um, I know his colonel, who always yelled at him. Uh, he was one of those actors that was just in a slew of movies. As soon as you see his face, you're like, oh. But I saw his name, and I was like, I, I don't remember who that guy is. Yep, I know who you're so, talking about. The thing I remember watching, obviously, I don't know if I saw first run or reruns, but I, I watched enough reruns that I remember it, hmm. uh, was I loved the flying scenes, but there was only about five of them. That they reused over and over and over. Maybe that's why they only ran for two years because they ran out of flying scenes. Like, We've used this one 17 times. They're like, use it again. Well, I always like the uh, dialogue between the Japanese pilots and then. Could they do that back then? If anybody knows, leave a con- leave a message in our comments. Could the Japanese fighter pilot get on our American frequency and taunt him? Because I, re- I remember that too. He's like, hey, Boyington. <laughs> and his dog was named Rice Ball. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think so. Oh. I think so. Um, <laughs> I, I I had to read it in Wikipedia because I thought they were always in it. But in the second season, they added uh, a, a whole bunch of nurses. Right. Right. I remember seeing the nurses, but I don't, I didn't remember they added them in the second season. They're probably like, oh, we need more ratings. Let's put some <laughs> nurses out there. Um and the other thing is, I remember a scene where they were low on fuel, and he knew some supply sergeant, and so he sent his guys out to go trade like a couple cases of whiskey, yep, and got all this fighter pilot f- or fighter plane fuel. I mean, I know on a little, I'm, I'm sure on a certain scale that happened back then in the unregulated military. Oh, um, well, how they get whiskey in, especially during the war. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of things, a lot of, um, uh, what do they call it, material that's not accounted for. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, but can you imagine? I mean, the, 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 we both mentioned how we saw the biography on uh, Greg Boynton. Yep. And just the idea that he's got a bunch of pilots out there and it's just kind of isolated just kind of running up and down the Solomon Islands, just engaging yep. these guys. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's nostalgic. It's heroic. It's what every guy looks up to. You know, it's like, ah, whatever, Colonel, don't get, don't get on my ass. We're going to go shoot down some Japanese. <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, he learned his skills, man, as a flying tiger in China. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. He, did do that. he was right. in that part of the world for a while. Yep. That's pretty cool. So, September 23rd, 1976. I salute you, Robert Conrad. It was one of my favorite shows to watch. Rock me, rock me, rock. Rock steady. Rock me, rock me, rock. Me rock steady. Roll me, roll me, roll me ready. Roll me, roll me, roll me ready. Space Force unveils official song, Sempra Supra. Sempra Supra is always above, I believe. That's the Space Force's motto. Uh, it's created to capture esprit de corps of the service's troops and bring them a sense of pride, according to the Space Force. We want a song to, that spoke to our guardians, that brought to life our model, our motto, uh, said General John J. Raymond, Chief of Space Ops. 
work on a song for the Space Force began when the service was formed in 2019. James Tekanor, a former member of the Air Force Band at the Air Force Academy, spearheaded the effort and wrote the lyrics and melody. Once he created the foundation for the song, the chief musician of the Coast Guard, Sean Nelson, stepped in to provide harmony and orchestration. So he wrote the music. Uh, this James Technor wrote the words. The Coast Guard Sean Nelson guy who wrote the music plays trombone in the Coast Guard band and is a staff arranger. He added more than 30 instrument parts to the song, which the Coast Guard band then recorded. Hmm. The Space Force spent months developing and revising the music with the band before picking the final version of Semper Supra. Is it just me, or is it odd that the Space Force's new song was recorded by the Coast Guard band? <laughs> to me, it's all odd. <laughs> it, it, uh, really, even the name is odd. You don't you don't have that same effect as I don't know what's what's the Marine Corps song in uh, Halls of Montezuma, Halls of Montezuma, and Air Force song. You know, into the wild blue yonder and. It's well, that one, and, and I I've always had issues with the Air Force song because that's a pilot song. But they make everybody in the Air Force sing it. <laughs> That's true. It's like, well, I'm not off going into the well blue yonder. Why? My machine guns aren't blazing. <laughs> but I get that versus Semper Supra. I don't. And the, and, and the Army song is actually from, uh, it was an old field artillery song. As the caissons go rolling along, caisson was a wagon yep. that carried all the ammo. Yep. So uh, I guess in light of that history, I guess it's not that odd that a Coast Guard band recorded the Space Force song. So, uh, okay, uh, I'm 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 biting. I'm <laughs> the lyrics are "We're the mighty watchful eye, guardians beyond the blue, the invisible front line, war fighters brave and true, boldly reaching into space. There's no limit to our sky, standing guard both night and day. We're the Space Force from on high. Not bad. I don't have a problem with that." This sounds, you know, this sounds the verbiage okay. is a lot better than the title. Here's the song. It's only 45 seconds. Okay for a college football team, I suppose, but uh Well, does it have a a kind of an Air Force song feel, sort of? It 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 just would have seemed like they had a chance, especially with all the youth and all the cutting edge stuff that Space Force is doing, that maybe they should have, you know, used a little more synthesizers to it, uh, <laughs> a little bit more laser floyd type of music, you know. That would have been pretty cool. Cause then the Space Force guys would have like Check out our song, man. It's badass. And, and make uh, it a better title. <laughs> One that I could pronounce. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's the Space Force's new song, and good on them. Good on them. Rock me, rock me, rock. Rock steady. Rock me, rock me, rock. Rock steady. Roll me, roll me, roll me, ready. Roll me, roll me, roll. 
1917, the U.S. military came to the realization that not every sailor, soldier, airman, or Marine had perfect vision. Duh. <laughs> as each, and as such, the Subcommittee of Ophthalmology, which fell under the Council of National Defense, was tasked with standardizing glasses. At the beginning of the war, no provision existed for supplying soldiers with spectacles, according to Army records. The remedy for the lack of standardized eyewear during World War I gave rise to the military's now infamous birth control glasses. The need for proper eyewear led to the development of a program in 1917 to furnish spectacles to officers and recruits for a price 10% over the government's cost for the frame and lenses. Of course. Which, by the way, you can't afford now because you're on WIC. So don't even try. <laughs> the following year, the Army authorized the free issue of spectacles to enlisted personnel. That program ended in 1918, however, and it was not expected to be resurrected. Unfortunately, just two short decades later, another world war necessitated standard, standard issue eyewear. The medical department was alerted in May of 41 by the commanding officer of the post hospital at Fort McClellan, Alabama, who reported 75 enlisted men with glasses broken in the line of duty who could not <laughs> afford replacements and others for whom glasses had been prescribed, but who had no money to buy them. A month right. later, on the recommendation of the Surgeon General, the medical department was directed to provide spectacles and repairs and replacements to all military personnel needing them. That was probably because yeah. of all the all the sergeants slapping them. Oh, yeah. How many got knocked off your face? <laughs> I, I like how some accountant got a hold of it and be like, do we really need people that can see? My God, that's like, like an extra $2.35. Four years we could save this much money. It was just an ugly ass frame. <laughs> like World War One came on, you're like, dang it. Well, I mean, they're a little blurry. Can they still sight the weapon or what? They don't really need glasses, do they? They don't need it. <laughs> Definitely they don't need any teeth. So don't worry about that. That will never do that. Yeah. The Army originally went with frames that were 10% nickel silver, Whoa. but increased that construction to 18% when it was noted that the heat on the lower percentage glasses called dermatitis. In other words, you got oh, shit. <laughs> These guys were all breaking out from the glass. <laughs> the American Hold on with your face, up. man. <laughs> My new BCGs. glass. BCGs. <laughs> they don't only look ugly, they make your face ugly. <laughs> the American Optical Company and the Bosch and Lom Optical Company oh. were the only two outfits that could handle such wide-scale production needs. And while the contract was originally given to the former, it was eventually unable to meet demand making Bosch and Lom the official eyewear makers for the U.S. Army. All right. Big contract. Yeah, that's huge. The wireframes of the time, of course, were not exactly the most flattering spectacles, but it would be in the aftermath of World War II that the thick, <laughs> thick black iterations, also known as BCGs, made their debut. First, <laughs> first there were black, thick-rimmed cellulose Acetate oh. frames, Ooh. a version that eventually settled into its brown S9 form in the mid-1970s. 
And like mother told me when I tried on a pair at the base ophthalmologist's office, they make you so ugly that no one wants to sleep with you. See, I always, yeah, I, I have never heard that uh, take from a woman. This is a woman who wrote this article, right? Yep. Because it was always like, dude, you going to wear those glasses out? You are going home alone. <laughs> it's not going to happen, big boy. <laughs> they, to be fair, they are the sturdiest in glasses. Yeah, I, I think I still have my yeah, original like a pair. four or five hinge in one arm, you know? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> my good name. <laughs> and that big black rubber band around your head to keep them on your face. Oh, man. Yeah. Remember the gas mask <laughs> insert ones? Those sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they fogged up immediately and never uh, unfogged. Instant. <laughs> I remember when I had an NCO was a senior mass sergeant. He made the guy take the inserts out when his BCGs broke and he made two rubber bands and tied them on the back of his head <laughs> he until he got them repaired. That's, that's, well, you gotta do it. You gotta on with the mission, right? You gotta go. That was an improvisation for sure. Uh, that Man. is all I have on BCGs. That's it. <laughs> That's it, my friend. Oh, I thought man, there was more. Yeah. No, I mean, shit, 1917? Come on. How far do you want to go back? <laughs> my my neighbor still randomly wears his. Wow. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, when did that when when did it say the those black frames? Yep. Because see, I, I remember the brown ones, but they were black before, right? Because that was yeah. all they wore in the fifties. It was kind of stylish in the fifties. It was black, thick rimmed. Cellulose yeah, eight frames. Cellulose plastic. <laughs> <No>. um, <clears throat> but I had uh I remember I had a pair of black ones. I was like, oh, these are kind of retro, you know, back in the eighties. I was like, oh they they still look like they look, but they were much better than the brown ones the army gave. And the brown ones, I remember you had like three choices, and it was just the size of the frame. So you could get like the yeah, big yeah. Kind of 80s ones, or you could a, a medium or a smaller frame. That was it. It yeah. was this crazy brown, not even a tortoise shell. It was just a brown, ugly. Those were uglier than the black ones. You know, those have been discontinued now. Yeah, because now I think, well, they have all those bases on, or those shops on the bases yeah. and on post that have kind of contracted with them. Those brown ugly yeah. ones were discontinued in 2012. I don't see. You did have a little bit extra on that. Well, I just they might, they might be vintage now, though. Huh? <laughs> oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They might be I mean, back in fashion. It's kind of it's kind of uh, douchebag ironic to wear them now. You yeah, know I mean, I mean? No, it's for those military guys who are honoring Roy Orbison. <laughs> Orbison. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. There has been a report from a source called the Westfalian. All right. Uh, because of all this recruitment and retention issues that we see in the military right, right now, uh, the Joint Chiefs have put a committee together to creatively think of new ideas to offer military members to join or to stay in. 
So the Westphalian, Westphalian, sorry, has listed the top five ideas out of this committee. So we're going to go down in order from five down to one. Jake, what do you got for number five? All right. And number five, putting the joint in joint chiefs. <laughs> he laced brownies or pound cake or dessert in every MRE. You know, that's a pretty good incentive, you know, for for the youth that are joining up today. Every yeah, MRE will have up brownies. Like every MRE will have a marijuana pound cake in it. Good idea, Joint Chiefs. Deployments will be a happy thing. <laughs> Eric, People what do you got? Giving up, their, uh, giving up their meal plans. <laughs> Number four for the top five retention ideas. Voucher for sleeve tattoo to re-up to be done by the lowest bidder tattoo artist, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the lowest bidder tattoo Get a full artist. sleeve at a discount. I'll do that for 20 bucks, dude. <laughs> Crayon-sized tattoo needles. <laughs> hey, it looks that? good. That was supposed to say mother. What does that say? Cloth hair. I did it in my native language. <laughs> You're from New Jersey. <laughs> All right, number three. A one-year free subscription to a content creator of your choice on OnlyFans. <laughs> I should bring him in. Is, I think he, I'm going to sign back up. <laughs> I don't know, man. The bennies. The bennies. No retirement, but OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans for a year. Yeah, I like it. Number two, free AR-15. Oh, Oh, prorated over a year though. There was a little asterisk there. Sorry. So over prorated five years, over five years. <laughs> yeah, for over five years, you'll get your AR-15. You got to pay it back. It's like a signing bonus. That's nice though. So your first year in, you get your lower receiver. Next year <laughs> in, you get your upper receiver. <laughs> if you don't get kicked out within five years, you'll have a full AR-15. AR-15. Good nice. bonus. That's a smarter move than just giving them the full thing. Oh, right yeah, that, yeah. Because then, they, you know, you can't be trusted then. But oh, over yeah. five years, <laughs> you'll you'll have the trigger time. Yeah. You'll know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, unless you're in the Space Force. <laughs> <laughs> then they'd be like, what the heck is this? They'll have five parts, but they wouldn't know how to put them together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Please refer God. to your local army base. <laughs> And the, and the number one, the number one retention idea, your physical fitness score is now determined by your Call of Duty ranking. <laughs> That'll lovely. bring them in. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, God damn, I'm like, I'm tenth in the United States. I'm good. <laughs> hey, there's your bullet for your newest EPR. Oh, oh yeah, your diary. <laughs> Today I stayed up till four in the morning, whooping fourteen-year-olds at Call of Duty <laughs> and maxing my PFT. Yep. <laughs> wow. I've been studying so hard at this. All right, we look forward to more stories out of the Westfalian. All right. <laughs> in the weeks that come. Rock me, rock me, rock, rock steady. Rock me, rock me, rock me, rock steady.
the headline is the Navy let share perform on ship in 1989. It's regretted it ever since. That's a great title. I know. It's it's fantastic. So she goes, the USS Missouri has borne witness to some of modern military history's most monumental events. But its role in one affair involving Cher gyrating in a fishnet G-string left the baby <laughs> blushing over the, quote, mighty mo. Nice. In night, I know. So good. In 1945, after the mammoth 45,000-ton battleship helped defeat the Axis powers in hallowed places such as Iwo Jima and Okinawa, Japanese Foreign Minister Mamoru Shigemitsu and his glum-faced delegation surrendered aboard the ship. Remember those famous pictures? with uh, I do. MacArthur was leading the show. In 1950... It was the first American battleship to slice through Korean waters. I didn't realize it served in Korea as well. Nor did I. I thought she was already freaking land yeah. you know, docked. Huh. And, and in 1989, the Navy, flush with the notion that a singer, songwriter, and actress of Cher's caliber would aid in recruiting numbers, permitted the singer to film the music video of her latest hit, if I could turn back time on the storied ship in front of throngs of eager, cheering sailors. The video was oh. an opportunity. This is great. The video was an opportunity for us to get national exposure and reach the lucrative, recruitable youth audience that watch MTV, one Navy <laughs> official told the Washington Post in 1990. One would bet that the Navy wishes it could, quote, turn back time on that decision. <laughs> while while the Navy had reviewed the music video storyline. Now, this is interesting because I never realized what this song was about. While the Navy had reviewed the music video storyline, Cher's producers had originally proposed a video about a sailor who gets a Dear John letter aboard ship. Okay, that makes sense, right? I buy that. I get yeah. it. Whoever approved of the recruiting plan clearly didn't know much about Cher and her zany love to dare to bear. The Navy had neglected to ask about one critical tidbit. Exactly what or if the the songstress was planning to wear. They assumed, and you know how that goes, that she would be sporting a Navy coverall. Instead... Instead, at 2 a.m., Cher rolled up to the Mighty Mo wearing what can only be described as two strips of black fabric covering the bare essentials, a black and gold belt holding up approximately nothing, and a transparent net body stocking and two posterior tattoos the size of pancakes, wrote the Los Angeles Times. (laughs) What a description. But the surprises didn't stop there. Upon seeing the massive, stiff guns aboard the battleship, Cher seemingly couldn't help herself and hopped on top. The guns that were once active off the coast of Iwo Jima and Okinawa were suddenly being ridden by a bare-bottomed goddess of pop. (laughs) 
Oh, how the mighty had fallen. Uh, quote, one can only imagine how retrospective the Navy brass was to see Cher riding the guns and undulating in front of a sea of 150 real sailors. The Washington Post later wrote of her performance. The Navy wasn't the only one displeased with the performance. MTV initially banned the video from playing on its platform, but later rolled back that policy and aired it only after 9 p.m. <laughs> this is 1989. Right. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> In hopes of placating the Navy, Cher extended an olive branch and filmed portions of the music video with a modicum of more clothing on. There's an edited version of that video. Uh Um, For the Navy, however, it was too little, too late. The branch decreed that no musician would ever be allowed to film music videos on U.S. ships ever again. Well done, Cher. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Navy brass. I mean, my God. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll put a link to this too. But if you haven't seen this damn thing, and I hadn't seen it in you, it's worth a watch, right? And the best thing, if you watch this, is those real Navy guys going bonkers. <laughs> Look at those guys, man. And I, you know what? I probably would have been too. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. If you had a chance to go see Cher dressed like that, I would have been like, right hey, there, man. We need you to go nuts. I would be like, I am over the moon, baby. Don't worry. <laughs> and if anybody by chance is listening to this podcast and you were on that ship, Please right give me a call because I would love to interview you. <laughs> it is a hell of a These guys, they're hilarious. <laughs> there she is, oh, there, gun. there she is, straddling <laughs> the mighty most gun. <laughs> oh my god. Now, the share's credit. Looks good, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was back in, in the 70s now. Yeah, it was probably what? Late 40s, maybe? Yeah, 40s? probably. But the, oh, look at this guy. <laughs> slide down the ramp. They probably had to pull him off of her. <laughs> the best is as she's performing. And those who are listening, do yourself a favor. Go, go watch this video. Look at the officers. The officers have no rhythm. Yep. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> No control. <laughs> All they're probably thinking is, if the Admiral sees me enjoying this too much, yeah. I might be in trouble. <laughs> Could be fired. <laughs> I, you know what? It was definitely a bossy statement on her part, though. I gotta give her that. There's the tattoos on the ass. Yep. Look at that. The size <laughs> of a pancake. <laughs> the size of a pancake. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, yeah, do yourself a favor. Go watch. Go watch that video. It'll make you giggle like a schoolgirl. <laughs> what we what what we've done in the past comes back to haunt us again. And I'm like, what the hell were we thinking? <laughs> it was funny. The very end of her article says that's why we can't have nice things when the Navy <laughs> banned all that stuff. And then she 
And then at the very end, her last line was, but at least we still have this. And she embedded a video <laughs> of the village people doing in the Navy. Oh, right. So this is my theory. The 70s, 80s, and early 90s, just, you know, you got village people, you got Cher. Um, you know, well, I'm you, sure there were others. Yeah. You got CPO Sharky, you got McHale's Navy, you got all that stuff. And so I think the Navy said, fuck it, we're going to make good movies. And they came out with Top Gun, uh, Hunt for Red October, Crimson right. Tide. Uh, you know, they just said, screw it. We'll never make a bad movie ever again. We're not going to go and lower ourselves again. No. <laughs> All we're going to do is make good stuff. Rock me, rock me, rock. Rock steady. Rock me, rock me, rock. Rock steady. Roll me, roll me, roll me, ready. Roll me, roll me, roll me, ready. Okay, I got a story. It was from uh, the end of November out of Stars and Stripes, but the Army is testing blood delivery drones applying lessons from war in Afghanistan. So and I was like, that's, that's smart. At least it's, uh, we're not talking about drones killing anything. Now they're helping out, which is brilliant. Uh, Army drones are dropping packages of simulated blood over the Mojave desert in an effort to find better ways to rush medical supplies to wounded troops as quickly as possible. In recent months, soldiers at Fort Irwin, California, NTC, National Training Center, have practiced gathering the drone cargo after the supplies drift to the ground and attach to small orange and white parachutes. Lessons from two decades of war in Iraq and Afghanistan and scenes from Ukraine and fears of future conflicts with countries such as China are driving the efforts. The need is pretty clear making sure that whole blood is accessible to forward medics, said Nathan Fisher, chief of medical robots and autonomous systems at the Telemedicine and Advanced Technology Research Center at Fort Detrick, Maryland. That, how do you, I mean, my God, to get a title like that. Yeah, but that's chief of medical robots and autonomous systems. That is very (laughs) impressive. That's awesome. You think he gave uh, his own name? He developed his own name? We're going to be called this. <laughs> he might have. Yeah. Don't forget, I work on robots too. <laughs> that better be in my new title. <laughs> Fine, uh, we'll add robots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As he has two of them standing behind himself at his desk, and they're like, oh, yeah. Can those things carry guns? Oh, yeah. Mostly blood right now. Yeah. (laughs) That's easily adaptable. (laughs) It's a pretty cool idea. I mean, it would, it's instant PTSD if that delivery system goes wrong because it's literally raining blood. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) the potential is there. Let's finish up on a good note. What's the most outlandish or biggest memory of a reenlistment ceremony you've ever been to, Eric? Uh, that's a good question. Let me think about that. I would think it was at Navy Jest, the Jungle Environmental Survival Training. Oh, yeah. In the Philippines. 
The guy got re-enlisted right there? Yeah. Yeah. And he was a Marine. He was part of the class. And his commander surprised him and came in and did it when we were in the field. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. How about you, Jake? Uh, I saw one down on the top of Pikes Peak. here. In oh, yeah. Street. That's cool. Yeah. It was kind of cool. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, um, it was it was a captain who I'd um, hung out with, and we he's like, "Come up to my retirement or my reenlistment," and we went up there, and it was half of his squadron up there. Oh wow! Just kind of climbed a little bit over the edge. There's like an overlook there. Yeah. So that's a good one. Neat. Yeah. I remember when I was out at Schofield. They used to have it where you could go down and get reenlisted on the Pearl Harbor Memorial or the Arizona Memorial. That's cool. So they would yeah, take you out before they opened it up to the public and you'd be in with all the names of the sailors and you'd raise your right hand. That was pretty neat. Yeah. It's no share on the Missouri, but either way. <laughs> That's well, yeah. The Missouri wasn't there yet, but uh, <laughs> um, this story out of uh, task and purpose is. They salute the Marine who got promoted at a fried chicken restaurant on base. <laughs> so the Marine uh, non-commissioned officer got promoted at Raising Cane's uh, fried chicken restaurant on base. Where was it? Where was the base at? Hold on. I mean, I've never seen oh, Raising Cane's on base. I know. Me neither. So it must, be, it must be a Navy thing. Uh, it was at Camp Pendleton, California. Oh, there you go. On November 1st. So he had his whole uh, platoon there. You know, they were all standing at attention while he's standing by the bar things or the little bar stool. So he got promoted at Raising Canes. But the interesting thing about this article was that it went down and it was talking about other outlandish promotion or re-enlistment ceremonies uh, that people have tried. The propensity for theater has occasionally put service members in trouble. In 2018, a master sergeant in the Tennessee Air National Guard took her oath of reenlistment with the Tyrannosaurus Rex hand puppet mouthing the words. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't make this shit up, can you? I mean, that's. <laughs> That stunt apparently went against our entire foundation, according to the Air National Guard's commander, and ended with the colonel who administered the oath being immediately retired with the rank of lieutenant colonel. The non-commissioned officer who took the oath being removed from her full-time position and the non-commissioned officer who filmed the whole thing being removed from his position as a first sergeant and receiving an official reprimand. Damn. <laughs> in a way that's kind of satisfying is like oh yeah that's uh that's way too ridiculous to do something wow. like that Man, um, that's crazy there's another article that talks about some other real famous uh reenlistment ones and there's the picture of the guy <laughs> getting reenlisted in a stormtrooper outfit no, that's that's not as stupid as the hand puppet. Yeah, good point. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> Once again, though, as we discussed earlier, Air Force or Space Force is always with the Empire. Yeah, yeah. 
What are we trying yeah. to say here, man? <laughs> We're never the good guys. We're the good always going to no, like the bad guys. Have no costumes, I suppose. Uh, and there's a picture uh, in Afghanistan of the Army Special Forces re-enlisting. Uh, right behind the guy, he's got a 45 pointed at his head. Nope. There's a guy who got re-enlisted in a GameStop. That's dumb. That's dumb. Uh, there's a guy who got re-enlisted underwater in the scuba gear. I don't know how you do that. You can't say the oath. You know, so. Maybe that it's was just, pretty cool, though. If maybe it's, it's like just a dive a, game. Or the, the yeah, maybe field. it's just a picture, I suppose. Oh, he's got, he's holding up the, wait, he's holding up the clipboard in the, he's got his right hand raised and the, the presiding official is holding up a clipboard for him to read off of her. <laughs> If he needs to check a box, yes or no, like I suppose a note passed in high stomp, school of old. Stomp your flipper once for a yes. <laughs> you saw it. Flipper equals consent. Uh, this one says U.S. Air Force Captain Joshua Tyler, uh, reenlist Staff Sergeant Andrew Petrulis, Explosive Ordnance Division craftsman at Kandahar Airfield, Afghanistan, and they set off an explosion in the background. So. That's pretty good for EOD. That one looks really good. Actually. It's perfectly acceptable. Um, and now you guys got to go watch a video. I sent you the link. Um, the guy who got re-enlisted in the gas chamber. <laughs> and God, the, the video shows him. Uh, everybody else is masked up. The official takes his off. He takes his off. And he's like, oh. I do solemnly swear. <laughs> kind of like VG you were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, you guys got any uh, original reenlistment stuff? Send us in the comments and let us know. Uh, we'll cover it next time if you guys uh, let us know because I know there's some creative ones out there. Thanks for listening today and for the past few months. We'll be back with more stories in 2023 to get you informed and make you laugh. So until then, you are dismissed.